octalkradio.net. You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at 3 p.m. And it can be heard exclusively here on Internet Radio Station octalkradio.net. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we encourage you to listen live during our broadcast times. The show is brought to you by our commercial sponsors, Smart Stop Self Storage, Succession Strategies, Commerce National Bank, and Smart Business Magazine. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience of business owners, CEOs, and executives, to make better and more informed business decisions. We have two guests today, and if you're listening live, expecting to hear my interview with Jerry Wilson, Executive Director of the Pediatric Cancer Research Foundation, well, just hold on, because she'll be our second guest on the program today, because our first guest today is Lacey Kelly, CEO of the Association of California Cities, Orange County. Lacey, welcome to the program. Thank you, Rick, for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Let's start simply by having you talk a little bit about your professional background. What did you do before you were in this position, and how did you get to this position? Sure. Well, I went to school to be a school teacher at Cal State Long Beach and promptly decided uh, to not to do that. As with so many people, I'm not doing what my degree is in. Um, I had a part-time job at a nonprofit and decided that uh, I really enjoyed helping groups of people meet their goals Mm. and their missions. So my first job was with the California Gloss Association, and that started my career in nonprofit management, where I really made that commitment to what I call service leadership. Um, From there, I went on to the American Water Works Association around their California, Nevada chapter, and that was a membership group of water utilities or water providers. Okay. And then I went on to the National Forest Association. Stop for a second. Yes. Are there a lot of water providers? Yes. I I don't know anything about that. Um, In Orange County, almost as many as there are cities, so yes. Really? Yeah, yes. Well, that's a... 7,500 members in California and Nevada. That's a subject for a different day. I mean, sure you just is. turn the tap on, the water comes out. Who knows how it gets here, right? That's I mean, right. I mean, I know the utilities, but I never thought about the water beyond kind of Department of Water and Power and who else gets the water to us. It's so. a precious resource that we take for granted, I will tell you that. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry. I took no, you that's off okay. course. But. No, that's okay. okay. Um, so continuing on, I went to the National Forest Association, which was a nonprofit partner with the U.S. Forest Service, sort of meant to augment uh, where they can no longer... Uh, offer services to visitors to the forest um, because of declining budgets. And so we were a nonprofit that tried to pick up the slack around visitor centers, did interpretive tours. I did a lot of fundraising and bringing in private industry partners. And um, after that, I really um, decided I wanted to work for local government. And I just got lucky and um, I saw uh, an ad for an organization called the League of California Cities, Orange County division um, executive director so i went ahead and applied for that and um, got the job they happen to be looking for nonprofit management expertise and i wanted to work for cities because in my mind they're the most impactful most responsive form of government so i wanted to be part of that is that now association of california cities orange county well um League sort of, of yes cities? what had happened is the job ad said um the Orange County Division of the League is the only division in the state that has its own local executive director and staff. And having had a long history of working with chapter relations, I knew that that probably meant either they, Orange County didn't feel they were getting all the services they wanted or they needed something different. So I wanted to get in there and kind of resolve that problem. Ultimately, what ended up happening is we ended up sort of uh, leaving that organization and starting our own, uh-huh. really kind of revolving around the notion that good public policy is is created from the ground up. So one size doesn't fit all in any state one size doesn't fit every city there's big small medium different topography different demographics and each city really needs the ability to decide on its own what it wants for its residents so that's our philosophy and and really what we formed around so that leads me perfectly into asking you a little bit more about and i'm speaking with lacey kelly who is the ceo for association of california cities orange county Share with our audience who may not be familiar with the role of your organization in Orange County, what are the services you provide, what's your kind of mission, and just help them to understand um, what you're doing to make Orange County a better place for our residents. You bet. Well, one of the things I like about working for Orange County cities and their elected leaders is that there's a philosophy that collaborative public policy is the best public policy. 
So in other words, it's what not kind of public policy collaborative. Doesn't hear that much anymore. <laughs> okay. Well, we're trying to make that a reality, and so I'll tell you how we've demonstrated that. On our board of directors, we have more than just city leaders. We have private industry. We have other nonprofits. We have other regional agencies, government agencies, oh. that all weigh into the public policy process. We have policy committees where a lot of them assemble to work on key topics that are important to our community, from countywide wireless, meaning um, wireless connectivity for both business and safety reasons, um, to jobs and economic development, um, a topic very important to our elected leaders in this county, and other things like government innovation. Yeah, we have um, our listening audience tends to be business owners, CEOs, executives. It's a real challenge for many small and mid-market companies because the workforce that they can afford to employ many times have trouble living, yeah. affording to live in Orange County, don't they? I mean, yeah. And so affordability and economic development, these are key issues in our, in our county because it, it really is, there are striking differences between different areas of Orange County as a resident and what it costs and who can afford to live there, isn't there? Sure. And one of our key partners uh, who has their CEO sitting on our board, uh, Lucy Dunn with the Orange County Business Council. I was going to ask you about your relationship yeah. with the Orange yeah, County Business Yeah, we're very collaborative with them, and, and she has a whole program dedicated to trying to get affordable housing, um, more of it created in Orange County, to try to address that issue and house our workforce. Because you're listening, ladies and gentlemen, to our monthly nonprofit show. And so this show is focused on uh, worthy nonprofit organizations. I saw an article in the Orange County Register about a year ago that said there were several thousand nonprofits in the county. And I was blown away by how many, because I couldn't name maybe more than 20 at the time. And the other part was, and then I thought, if there are that many nonprofits, there must be that many people in need of the services provided by the nonprofits. And so what we try to do with this show, ladies and gentlemen, is just expand your awareness to the wonderful organizations that are operating here in Orange County and and get some, hopefully, involvement from your part in participating with them because sometimes you just need to be aware of them. As I became aware earlier this year of your organization, and I'm kind of on a journey to discover the role that you play between business and government, that is a Sometimes a contentious relationship, isn't it? Yeah, it sure can be, and um, we don't shy away from controversy at all. Um, and we also do not tend to take positions where we have really polarized sides. What we try to do is find where we have common goals and work in that area. Isn't that the key to collaborative it, policy making? It, it's find where out it works. where you agree. Yeah, it's where it works. So, so that's what we try to do. And all of our committee work revolves around what are the common goals that we all have that we can work towards together. And 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 frankly. When business is successful, cities are successful, too. Um, they get their tax base from business, from the um, activity that's generated in the economy, from people having jobs. So I think our city leaders are well aware of the impact that local business has on the success of their city. And, and that's not always dots that get connected, by and large, with all you know local government leaders. Right. And it's a balance. It's a balance. It's, it's definitely a delicate balancing act. And we... We know that in most things we do, there's always some little piece of it for someone to hate. Um, but the goal is, did we move it? Did we move the ball down the field at all? Did we mm -hmm. did we get anything better for Orange County residents, for business, for our communities? We've about two minutes before our first commercial break here on Critical Mass Nonprofit Radio Show. I'm talking with Lacey Kelly, CEO of the Association of California Cities in Orange County. Before we leave this and move on, in, in two minutes or less. Is Orange County a unique county relative to the rest of the counties in California from your perspective? Well, I think we've always been known as having more Republicans in the county. But in my mind, the reason that we're so effective in my organization is because we have geography on our side. If you look at the population of the state, it's very spread out in comparison to Orange County. We're right. a very dense county. We have the ability to have 34 uh, cities and their leaders meet and talk about public policy with their business community in other areas of the state, in many areas of the state, that's, you know, two, three, four-hour drive. It's just not possible. It's just not possible to get all the folks together to talk public policy. So in my view, they end up being very smart, very educated about their uh, public policy role, very educated about the different impacts that they have with their decisions, and using each other to bounce ideas off of and best practices. So we have a minute left now before the commercial break. Okay. It's... It, uh, I've lived in Orange County for years, longer than I care to admit. I'm a transplant from uh, the East Coast, but 
Orange County it suffers from being between Los Angeles and San Diego in many ways, doesn't it's it? It's so though? frustrating. Yeah, Isn't it's it? so frustrating because we really are an economic hub for the entire state. Yes. And I don't know if there's a jealousy there or just a competition, um, but we, we are what's called a donor county. So for every dollar of tax that goes up to our state, I think we get something like 11 cents back wow. um, because every place else is, is a little more needy, although we need those funds too, you know, and we're generating them. So I don't know if that's appreciated enough. Um, but we try to talk about that where it's appropriate um, so that people value the kind of economic activity that's going on here. Oh, well, I, uh, the radio station eventually is going to have a gong sound because I've been <laughs> saying for years, that's a teachable moment. Yeah. You know, you just gave me something that I, I didn't know the term donor county, do now. Didn't realize that for every dollar we send, we only get 11 cents, or we get 11, I shouldn't say only, we get 11 cents back. Mm-hmm. Okay, I understand maybe that's our role for the state, but uh, that's very interesting, Lacey. When we come back, I'm going to ask you to share a little bit about the second annual Golden Hub of Innovation Awards that happened this past June. So, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. We're going to be back in less than two minutes. I'm interviewing Lacey Kelly, CEO of the Association of California Cities, Orange County. Be back after these words from our commercial sponsors. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com got stuff to the right, more stuff to the left. Got enough stuff, but I can't take a step. So I smart stopped and took a minute to think. I need a little better spot, not under the sea. With Smart Stop, I leave the stress at the door. Because it's the smart old way to store. Smart Stop bucks the system. Your first month's rent is just a buck. Your next three months are half off. Call 888-97-STORAGE and mention this station. Goodbye clutter, hello floors. Smart Stop, the smarter way to store. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. This is our monthly nonprofit show, and I am your host, Rick Franzi. I would like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 12,700, well, actually, you've downloaded 12,714 shows in the last 30 days, and we truly appreciate your support. All of our shows, as I've said earlier, can be heard live here on Internet Radio Station octalkradio.net. Broadcasting live from their state-of-the-art studios in the tech space facility in or- in Costa Mesa, Orange County. You can find our podcasts on iTunes, Stitchers, and other podcasting services, as well as all the information about our radio show can find on, be, be found on our website, which is criticalmass4forbusiness.com. All right, let's get back to my interview with Lacey Kelly. She is CEO of the Association of California Cities, Orange County. We said we we're going to talk about the second annual Golden Hub of Innovation Awards. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Sure. Well, uh, to have that uh, make sense to your listeners, our tagline for the Association of California Cities Orange County, or ACCOC, is the hub for good public policy. So the Golden Hubs um, refer to that tagline. And what they are honoring is cities who are doing business in new and different ways. Uh, We continue to have funds stolen from cities from the state trying to balance their budget, and the economy has hit cities hard, and they're kind of in a two-year follow-on rotation from business. So as business recovers, cities kind of follow in a two-year lag time. Okay. So they're still in the thick of it, and we just had some other major things happen that took funds away from them. So we decided to honor cities that are finding new and different ways of continuing to offer quality municipal services to their residents. And if it saved taxpayer dollars, we uh, applauded that Mm. and recognized that even more. So that is what the award is about. Is this a unique program, or what was the inspiration for this award? 
The inspiration was that we knew that governments, you know, it's sort of a cliche, but the the new normal. We knew that there's a new normal for local governments. We have many civic leaders in this county who want to be an example, who want to find solutions, who know the train with the money isn't coming back. Mm-hmm. and uh, wanted to figure out how to do some creative things to, to really serve their residents. We have a lot of dedicated people in, in civic leadership in this county. So um, the idea was to just honor those and then um, share those ideas with all the other cities and, and, in fact, even outside our borders. So every single application that we received, whether they won a Golden Hub Award or not, is uh, put together in a compendium of all the ideas that were uh, brought forward over 50 of them from our 34 cities here and some of the local agencies, including our transportation authority in the county, um, our toll roads association, and others, um, to share those ideas broadly with their peers. Yes, yeah, like best practices, right? Yes, absolutely. Sometimes, if you just get exposed to a good idea, you can figure. That's why I do this radio show. I believe in the power of peer learning. And so, if we, I would think, if one city heard of another city doing something, they'd say, "Can we adapt that or adopt it into our structure?" And would that work for us? Is technology playing a part in in both? I take it when you say innovation, I kind of go to technology, sure. but it might always be technology. But is technology a player in these innovation awards? Technology and risk. So, as far as technology, yes. Um, we see cities doing more and more, trying to do more and more online, trying to emulate what's succeeding in a market-driven, you know, economy. Makes sense. So how can we make things easier for our residents? How can we give them services online? Anaheim has some services online. Mission Viejo does. There are many cities. Those are just the two that come to the top of my mind. Mission Viejo recently instituted a permit process online for businesses and their residents. Mm-hmm. And uh, they often will have to, residents or businesses will often have, often have to deal with many different contacts within a city also to get their project rolling. So this is sort of a one-stop shop, an online concierge, where they can get their permits processed. Okay, so the last, the second one was held in June, right, of yes. this year. And mm-hmm. so is this, this is an annual event? It's an annual event. The next one will be in the summer, June uh, again? It will be you... probably in the May-June time frame again, okay. and we will also publish a compendium from those applications. Okay, and so if people listening today live or maybe in the pot, in the future as a podcast who who want to become a part of this by maybe making nominations, etc. Is how do you get the uh, nominations? We blast out our application to everybody in our database, both uh, business, uh, nonprofits, uh, civic leaders alike. So anybody can nominate. Uh, the challenge comes in in that usually only the local governments know how the inner workings of how their program works. So right. it's usually going to come from a local government. But right. we have had nominations, and we do have an innovator of the work uh, of the year, oh. which can be an individual. Uh-huh. So that might be a more likely. Was it this year an individual? Uh, that's a great question. Okay. Well, um, the, I, I don't. I don't have all my winners in front of me. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure when Lacey gives the website for her organization, you'll be able to find out that answer They're and all more. There. So let's turn our focus in the time that we have left here on the radio program, Lacey. The, I'd like to ask every guest to share, talk about a current challenge that your organization is facing. Not because we like to be voyeurs and hear about your challenges, but because we're interested in what you're doing to address it. Because possibly others might have a similar challenge and they can learn, again, a best practice from you. So can you think of a challenge facing your organization? And if so, would you share it with our audience? Sure. Well, it's sort of unique to governments, but maybe there's some um, similar paradigms in business. Uh, Our state has had for a long time a challenge balancing its budget and for a long time has in downturns turned to local governments to raid their funds that's how we put it raid their funds just take their money and so it's sort of like if your neighbor runs out of money and comes over to your house and says i spent all my money so i'm going to take yours you know that just doesn't happen but it happens in government so we're challenged with that um cities don't have a lot of impact on those decisions, unfortunately. Our state uh, rules supreme in, in many areas, and so hmm. we struggle with that. And that, that is part of what birthed the Golden Hub Awards is, given this reality, how are we going to continue to do business and, and serve our residents? The other thing is really preserving a city's ability to make locally controlled decisions about their land use, about their communities. Um, there's always this battle between what's called regionalism and and local control, but really we believe the best decisions are made in the local communities for what's best for that community. Okay. And so we're always trying to protect cities' ability to make those decisions for themselves. And lastly, just time. Time is such a commodity 
for any civic leader. They have so many demands on their time, trying to understand all the different public policy issues they're going to be making decisions on, weighing in on, influencing is more than a full-time job, and many of them already have full-time jobs. So time is a real challenge. Right, and that's a part of, as I've um, had different guests on the show and through your organization, I'm sort of understanding that you know, you see the elected officials who tend to maybe in smaller communities part time, volu- almost volunteer, but you know they're donating their time. They get elected, but the real operations, the the day to day business of the city is usually run by a professional manager who yes. is hired, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely, and they are wonderful CEOs in their own right. And that's a career path for individuals who choose to lead organizations, but are leading public organizations. And, absolutely. And, and we have one here in Costa Mesa, right? Well, um, what I love about Costa Mesa, and I'm a big fan of their city CEO Tom Hatch. What I love about their council is they made a conscious decision to call their city manager a CEO because they want to be business friendly and they want to the business community to understand that they are open and collaborative with their business community. So, um, yeah, I'm a big Tom Hatch fan, and uh, he is their CEO right here in Costa Mesa. So, ladies and gentlemen, because we broadcast live from Costa Mesa, I, I'm going to work with Lacey said off the air that she would make an introduction for us to Tom Hatch. I would love to have him on the program sometime in the future and talk about the business of running a city. There you go. I think that's a great person to ask. Okay. Thank you very much. A um, few minutes left here. You are a TV show host. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) tell us about, this is fantastic. Tell us about your, the show that you host, which is OC Civic Connection. I I understand it can be seen on Cox TV, but it's also available online. So uh, help us to understand a little bit about how it got started. Mm -hmm. If you watch an episode, what can you expect? And then how do you see that episode if it's not, if you're not a Cox subscriber? Sure, sure. Okay. Well, it started because in the press, there's always the bad negative stories of what's going on in government. And many times the information's inaccurate or it's not complete or it takes it out of context and it and it's, can be unfair not always but sometimes and what we were noticing is we really didn't have the good story of local government right. and cities highlighted anywhere right. and so we wanted to be the champion of that so we went to cox and asked can we can we develop this show we know you have this program on channel three down there in south county and um can we do this and then blast it out to our members so that they can use that to to send out to their folks and at least start talking about some of the positive things going on in civic leadership and local government um and the relationships as you point out between government and business so that's what we're doing and we try to get leaders that are doing something poignant or something current or new um something innovative um, are they interested in coming on the show? They always are interested. I okay. mean, sometimes it's a scheduling challenge. Right. Um, but, yeah, they're always interested, and we have uh, usually more in the queue than, than we can accommodate. We do four tapings a month, so wow. we, we try to get a lot of information out there. Okay, so if, if you're not a, K, a Cox subscriber and you don't get Cox Channel 3, how do they get the chance to view your show? They can uh, watch it off of our website. They all get linked okay. to there, and Cox has a YouTube channel, okay. and they publish all of them there as well. That's great. Um, do you like being the host of a TV show? I love it. You know, I'm, I'm kind of an amateur. I'm a CEO by trade, so uh-huh. um, I'm learning all the time. But I, I really love doing it because I'm passionate about my job, and I, I know all the leaders that I interview, and, and it's fun. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that's fun. great. We're, I would encourage everyone to get to know your local government. It, it's unfortunate, but it seems to me that much of the national dialogue is that government is incompetent, inefficient, and dangerous. <laughs> and we should limit it as much as possible. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting about that is I think you have many civic leaders in Orange County that would agree that limiting the control of, of government is a good idea. But the job that you are there to do, the job that only a, a local government can do, should be done well and efficiently. And uh, I think all of them that I know have that value. So off script a little bit, tell me about, from your perspective, the relationship between the collection of cities and the county. Mm-hmm. We have a great relationship with the county. Are you saying fact. that because you're on the air? No, okay. I'm saying that because they just joined our organization six oh. months ago. <laughs> well, in that case, um, we But love we them. have a lot in common. I mean, we have similar issues. We have uh, similar objectives. We have um, overlapping public policy challenges to address. Right, right. So the, the chairman of the board of the supervisors, the board of supervisors, Sean Nelson, sits on my board, and as does uh, Todd Spitzer, is uh, highly engaged in our organization. In fact, we're going to be working with the county and the United Way to assemble a visioning conference for the entire county of elected leaders to look at where is the county going to be in 10, 20, 30 years, what are the challenges we're going to face, and how can we coalesce together to address those challenges. Boy, that's so important to do, isn't it? That's I huge, mean, yeah. That, that is 
many times a messy, dirty process, right, to figure out the future. But if someone doesn't spend some time thinking about the end game, you end up in places you don't really want to be. And it would be great to have a collaborative discussion. That sounds like a very energetic and worthwhile experience. I'm excited about it. And I think, you know, you probably heard that old adage, if you don't know where you're going, you'll certainly end up somewhere else. Right. So we just want to know where we're going and head in that direction. I know also your organization is hosting an event with the CEO of Orange County. Yes, Mike Giancola. Okay. On the 13th of September, it's a, a breakfast meet and greet and encourage all to come. They can sign up on our website. He's a new CEO. He used to be part of OC Waste uh, and Recycling. And uh, everybody that I know is encouraged by his arrival and thinks he'll be a great CEO. Okay. And for the loyal Critical Mass Radio Show listeners, uh, Lacey has agreed to have me show up as the part of the media, and we're going to be getting some audio. So sometime later in September, we'll be playing the excerpts of what we're able to get from that live event. I'm looking forward to meeting Mike. I've not met him before. Yeah. So thank you. You bet. All right. Final question for you here today on Critical Mass Radio Show, Lacey. Tell me about the future of your organization. Where do you see it going under your leadership? That's a, a great question. Well, we want to get all the cities in Orange County engaged. Some of them are still struggling so much with budget woes that it's hard for them to actually kick in the dues that we – cities pay dues to our organization, as do the private industry folks. Is there a huge difference between operating budgets of the various cities that – Huge. Are, yeah, huge. I, 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 can think, I would think so. I mean, I can yeah. think of some names. I think, well, they probably have a pretty healthy budget. Very diverse. I wouldn't mention any names like Irvine or anything. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> but I'm just thinking Irvine, Anaheim, the, some of the larger ones. But yeah. Sure, sure. And it's all relative. You know, the bigger your city, the, the more challenges the more you have, the more services. Deliver, yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, I took you up. What's the future for? Um, you know, we want to we want to get everybody into the fold. Although we do work with all of our non-member cities as well, and um, we want to look at how we can help other areas to do something similar that we're doing in terms of collaborative regional public policy. And there's a lot of interest out there, um, but it takes you know having some financial resources to make that happen. But we are making ourselves a resource to other regions throughout the state who might want to do something similar. So we export a lot of good ideas out of California, and not all of them are good, but we do a lot of good ideas. I think I'm, I'm reading a couple of books right now about some things that we've exported out of Orange County and California to the rest of the country that maybe they would have been better off not having. But this kind of collaborative policy making sounds like a great idea. Are other uh, states and areas taking on this idea? Or? I think they're they're looking at us with a watchful eye. It is a new model, very different than anything that's been done before, and we do have some friends in Congress, and I think that they have let us know this is very unique, what we're doing, that it's a very good model for effective public policy at the local level. If you think about it, local elected leaders really often become state and then federal elected leaders, so uh, this way they get a good indoctrination into all the impacts of their policy decisions, and so we don't know of any other area that's doing quite the same thing, so that's why we want to be a resource, yeah. So... If you're going to get to know a politician, it's easiest when they're local, right? Because once they get on that train, you know, the more they're, the bigger sure. the span of control, the more the handlers they have, the harder it is to reach them. So if, Absolutely. if you if you want to build relationships with political figures, it's best, I think, at a local level, right? Sure. They're more accessible. They're you can see them in the grocery the store and ask right. them about the pothole in front of your house. They're sort of what the history of politicians were in our country for, yes. for many generations, if not, you know, centuries, where they were local business people uh, who... Uh, who became part of the political system for a period of time. So that, so that's Absolutely. interesting. You know, we have a few more minutes here on the show. Can I ask you a, another question? Of course. Okay. Of course. Um, how, let's, talk, let's go back to your organization and the needs of small and mid-sized businesses. As I said earlier, that's really who listens to our audience. Sure. Business owners and CEOs. So this relationship between local government and local businesses, because many of the businesses that listen to the show are single locations, you know, they're in Garden Grove or in Westminster. So how did your organization help those companies to kind of get to know their local politicians and become a bigger part of the community? Well, those businesses are certainly welcome to all of our events, but one of the things I'm most proud of is the work that has been done by our Jobs and Economic Development Committee. What they have done is the elected leaders sitting around the table said, we want our local businesses, large and small, to come and talk to us about what we can do to help them be successful. And they said, hit us hard. We want to know what it is that um, is stumbling you. What are the barriers? What can we do to free up business for you so you can get things moving, create more jobs? And we spent about a year listening to their feedback and uh, came up with some business-friendly principles or best practices. Those are on our website. You can find them under policy resources on our website. And um, 
those have been sort of identified by our member cities as, as best practices in a city to foster a healthy business climate. And, and it's sort of a living document, too, so the committee continues to move forward. The chair of it is a councilwoman from the city of Anaheim, Chris Murray, mm-hmm. and uh, they have a lot of um, activities in Anaheim that are business-friendly and business-stimulating, so she chairs the committee, and we continue to meet every month, and I see those as um, moving forward and having more added to them. I want to look at that list. Uh, I have a, as you're as you're explaining that, I have a bias, and so I'm going to share that. That sure. many times when that happens, the focus tends to be on earlier stage companies, you know, uh, entrepreneurial companies, startup companies like here in the tech space facility. Nothing wrong with that. But when I look at who the job creators are, I tend to think it's the more established firms who are basically uh, required to hire more people to meet increased demand. And so if you nurture those mid-market companies, you tend to have more economic development than if you spend a lot of time on the smaller companies because many of those fail and, and, and aren't really your, the best use sure. of your of your limited sure. resources. So does your was your feedback from the business community uh, beyond the early-stage companies? Yes, in the, okay. absolutely. And part of those principles you'll see is the way we advocate with our state because when you get into the bigger businesses, they are being stumbled mostly by state and federal government. County? Um. You know what? I don't have the answer for that, okay. but I don't think so. I think okay. they're they're sort of in the same category as local cities here, okay. and they don't have a lot of landmass left. You know, so they're they're really just administering healthcare services and social services throughout the county, and oh, that's I their see. primary focus. Okay. So I, I don't see that per se, um, but we do have we work with uh, uh, Assemblyman Don Wagner, um, who is running some bills through that are um, some business friendly bills that sort of get some things off the books that that do hinder. Through business the, growth through the state assembly. Yes, through business the state assembly. friendly well, bills going well, through the state assembly. Well, we do have some some Good. legislators Good. that want to do that. I Thank mean, you. they're not you know always successful, but we're working with them to try to be successful. So right. that's where we've kind of weighed in on that. Is and you'll see those uh, those items on the business friendly principles. So, if someone wanted to learn more about your organization online, how do they find you? I would love for them to go to our website at www.accoc.org. Okay, and all of what we've talked about is available, the TV show, all the resources. And if a business would like to become engaged with you, is there is it clear how they can become engaged? Yeah, the absolutely. What they can do is, um, let's see, where is this going to be on our website? <laughs> There's a place to sign up to get our newsletter. And okay. once you do that, you will get all our uh, event announcements, our newsletter, the Cox tapings, when we send them out one by one, all of those things. Yes. And, and if not, they can contact our office, and we'll just take down the information. And I am a subscriber to that newsletter service, and I find it to be valuable to, to look at it and see what's going on through your organization. It's just enough information that it's it's good. You know, sometimes you subscribe to those services and you get too much. Yours seems to be just about you, right. Rick. And so I, I would encourage everyone who's interested. And I do believe, I don't know who said polit- all politics are local or whatever. I'm not a, a political person by that way. But I, I genuinely believe you notice most the changes in your local government versus, you know, state, county, federal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, so it's absolutely. important to be. And you have, I think, uh, more influence as an individual with a local politician than with a you know, someone with a larger span of responsibility. They have to be more responsive, don't they? They have to, yeah. And it's in their own best interest because they live in that community. Absolutely, and most of them really want to be responsive to their residents. So. Yeah, I kind of think of them as the small and mid-market private companies. You know what I mean? They 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 tend to be closer to their clients as well. Yes. They're more in the community. They know their employees. And I'd, I'd say the same sort of understanding of small business and medium-sized business can be applied to to government as well. Absolutely. And, and I believe there's a role for government in in the quality of life of their of their constituents. Well, you know what? From the time you leave your house in the morning till the time you get home, you're impacted by city decisions, whether you realize it or not. So, yeah, they're impacting every facet yeah, of your like life. Yeah, like time in the lights, you know, at rush hour. <laughs> How frustrating is that? <laughs> well, there is a signal synchronization program in this county, so I'll send you to OCTA for that. Okay, hallelujah. All right. <laughs> well, you have been a wonderful guest, and I commend the work that you're doing. I just feel so fortunate to have met you, and you give a little bit of your time here. Thank I you. look forward to the event later this month. Thanks for being a friend of the program, and welcome to our community. Thank you. Thank you, Lacey Kelly, CEO of Association of California Cities, Orange County. We'll be right back after these words. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, 
Under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. All right, and welcome to our program. Listeners, appreciate those of you that are listening to the program live and, of course, those that download our show as podcasts. The last 30 days, you've downloaded over 12,000 podcast versions of the radio program, and we do appreciate that. And as I told you at the top of the show, our second guest today is Jerry Wilson. Jerry is here in the studio with us. She's the executive director for the Pediatric Cancer Research Foundation. Jerry, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for asking us on. Uh, it's a pleasure. Tell me a little bit about your background. What were you doing before you became the executive director for your organization? Sure. Well, my background really is working for children's hospitals in the hematology oncology, which basically is a gentler way to say working with children and families with cancer. And mm-hmm. I worked at Children's Hospital Orange County and then up at Miller Children's Hospital in Long Beach and have just really grown a um, passion for um, helping to cure this. I'm not the researcher, but I'm certainly somebody that can put um, people together and uh, help find a cure for these diseases. So let's talk about your organization. Tell the audience, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit about the Pediatric Cancer Research Foundation, your mission, kind of your purpose, and the role you play in the community. So we were started um, in Children's Hospital Orange County in 1982. Uh, Dr. Mitchell Cairo was one of our founding physicians that worked out of the hospital. We still fund his research today. Um, Our mission is to improve the care, quality, and life of children with malignant diseases. So Mm. we kind of cross the border of um, a lot of different types of cancer. You know, in, in 1982, one of the things that I think PCRF is really proud of is where we've come to in just the care of and the quality of a child's life. Um, in 1982, if you were diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, it was about an 18-month journey of extensive radiation and chemotherapy with maybe about a 40% chance of survival. Oh. And now in 2013, it's about a 90-day treatment, and we have about an 80% um, chance of survival with the kids and sometimes more. Wow, that's fantastic. That's a, that's a great story. Talking about the value of the research and the organization that you helped to provide that research, what is your role in the community? Um, I'm not sure what I don't do, but um, as the executive director, really my leading role is the chief development officer and to get awareness out about this cause. You know, when I worked at hospitals, there was a lot of different things you could offer to people that were very philanthropic and wanted to support the hospital, whether it was art rooms or reading or or fun things for the kids to do, and really. The people I'm trying to identify for this are people that want to understand what a return on their investment is and business development people that understand how important research is because without the research, we don't have the kids in the playroom. And they both go hand in hand, but we solely exist to support the world's best research around the world. And so you do uh, provide support to organizations beyond Orange County, to researchers outside of Orange County? Absolutely. And, you know, the way cancer has been treated has been changed over the years. Um, If you are diagnosed and you happen to live in Orange County, whatever protocol might be best for you might not be coming from the hospital here in Orange County. It might be coming from what we like to call consortiums across the country. So you can still be treated where you live, but you might not necessarily be treated by a research um, protocol that came from the area that you live in. And so right now we fund um, a clinical trials and lab up at Children's Hospital Los Angeles. We fund some research up at Mattel Children's Hospital, which is part of UCLA. Mm -hmm. We fund um, some T-cell therapy research with Dr. Cooper at MD Anderson in Texas Children, and also up with uh, Dr. Mitchell Cairo at New York Medical College in New York. So, you know, a pretty broad footprint across the country and uh, a broad array of different trials and consortiums of people sharing information to help save the children that are diagnosed. So you gave us some good news earlier about the the prognosis or diagnosis for people, the children with uh, cancer, uh, at least one type of cancer. My question to you is, on the other side of it, are you... is cancer showing up more in children? Is it, it, What's the general sense for that? Well, if you look at the numbers of kids versus adults, there's about 13,000 children a year that are diagnosed with cancer. So when you look at that on the, the broad, the millions of adults that are diagnosed with cancer, it's a very small portion of the population. But if it's your child, it's the only number that you're concerned with. Right. So, you know, we have about a classroom a day of kids in the U.S. that are diagnosed with cancer. 
So what does that mean to a lot of the pharmaceuticals and the big research labs? That means that the money is going to have to come from private funding right. to take care of these kids because if you're a business person, a simple decision, you're not going to most likely fund a lot of um, smaller clinical trials. So that's where organizations like mine come in place to help keep these protocols and research trials going to save these kids. Excellent. Great work. Let's talk more about you and your organization. You you mentioned you started in 198. Your organization started in 1982. Mm-hmm. Um, you're celebrating 30 years of supporting pediatric cancer research. What new developments have come about for pediatric cancer recently? Well, I think one of the things that you're going to be hearing a lot about, and not only in pediatrics but in adults, is T-cell therapy. And really what that is doing is it's a key initiative where they target treatments for cancer. Um, it's a genetic approach to reprogramming your own T-cells in your own immune system and injecting them back into your system and letting that fight the cancer, your own body fight it on its own level. And uh, one of the big programs that we fund, and MD Anderson is doing this, this is being done across the country. We have a, a, okay. a lab that's being um, built right now in New York where they'll be doing a lot of these therapies also. You know, And the researchers I talked to about this tell you that if we keep going at the pace that we're going and we can keep money funding, this will eliminate the need for chemotherapy or radiation. Wow. And whether you're wow. an adult or a child, that's phenomenal news. That's huge. And the wear and tear on a body to save somebody with any of these treatments is um, just extensive, and there's no need for it if we can continue on with this T-cell therapy. So really exciting stuff out there. And I have to ask a follow-up question because lear- I'd like to learn. When you use the term T-cell, I'm not in your profession. <laughs> is there is there something else you can say about that to help me as a novice understand? Just think of us reprogramming the own, your own immune cells in your body to go back in and target a specific cell in your body that is mutating and uh-huh. we can stop it from doing that and it's not just our organization that's funding like that there's a lot of um, buzzwords and uh, organizations ac- around the world that are throwing money at this because they're seeing advancement in it okay so that to my ear that sounds like a more natural way to combat the disease mm-hmm. absolutely v- versus chemotherapy or radiation which have a very debilitating effect many times on the patient as well right yeah and and debilitating again you know we live in the pediatric world but when 1982 when we started we were saving children but at what cost Mm. the neurological issues um, growth plate issues the different types of surgery that we had to do to save a child causes long-term side effects in a lot of different areas so where parents were able to save their child again at what cost what was their quality of life right and you know the people that i work with and the researchers we support are all about the quality of life and yes we want to save a child and no i have not had to go through this i've watched other parents go through it but you know um i have two daughters and i would do anything to save my child most parents would wouldn't Mm -hmm. you i mean your most precious commodity yeah there's nothing most parents wouldn't do for their children if they could so Let's um, thank you. Thank you for educating us You're and, and me in the audience. We appreciate it. Speaking on behalf of the audience, can, can you talk about a current challenge, Jerry? And I, oh, by the way, I am speaking with Jerry Wilson. She's the executive director for the Pediatric Cancer Research Foundation. What's a current challenge facing your organization, and what are you doing about it? So, I would tell you the biggest challenge I have is finding funds. And the National Institute of Health, which was and still is a large funder of pediatric cancer research really has dropped down to less than 5% of the monies that they give out every year to fund uh, grants around the world in different clinical trials. So what does that mean? That means that if organizations like MIND or private funders aren't supporting this, where is that money going to come from? Um, We exist to grant money out. That's what we do. And this year we have an open grant cycle right now. We're about ready to grant our monies out for 2014. And we had more grant requests this year than we've had um, in probably in the past 10 years. We had over $30 million of funding requests. Well, wow. in years past, we had maybe around 8 or $10 million, which is still a lot of money. Right. And I, I want to be able to say yes to everyone. I don't want to tell somebody, no, we can't. And it's only because we don't have the money. It's not because we don't want to. And you see this amazing research right in front of you. And I, I can't get money to it. So the biggest challenge right now is just the drop in government funding of any of these protocols. So we've got to find it. And there's people out there that want to do it. And, mm-hmm. and shows like this help me talk to people and let them know the importance of not only just saving a child's life, but what 
they can get involved in um, on research on a national, global level to save a child. And that's why we do the nonprofit shows to help expose our community to worthy organizations such as yours. I need to ask, you said it went from around th- $8 million to $30 million. Why was there such a significant increase in requests? Because the National Institute of Health and other government agencies are depleting what they're funding. Got it. So, you know, large organizations like Boston Children's Hospital, Texas, um, and I could throw any name out there that's any of the top ten hospitals where they were used to getting multi-year grants from these institutions, it's not happening anymore. So Johns Hopkins of the world, the names that you have always heard that are synonymous with research right, are struggling names. to get money. Yeah, and and it it was very eye-opening to us and our committee and our board this year when these requests just kept pouring in. Um, and, you know, it, we like we like that people know who we are in the research world and right. we're very well respected. Um, but I look at these requests, I go, what am I going to do? Uh, one of the things that we also do that we're really proud of is we host an international symposium. So the top researchers from around the world come and visit us every four years, um, and they it's all about children's cancer in research. And we're the they only, come here to Orange County. Um, it was actually in New York last year, last year during okay. Hurricane Sandy, so it was an adventure. But they still came um, okay. because they knew that they were going to be with the best of the best in the pediatric world, and they came together and shared information. And it's about sharing information now. It's not about I'm this institution and I'm going to keep the information to myself. We're gonna we're gonna share it, and that's what um, the world of consortiums is all about right now. I love collaboration. We talked about collaboration with our first guest today around uh, city and local governments. Mm-hmm. I think the more that we can foster collaboration between organizations, the better off we all are. That's why I do the radio shows to help people connect who have similar interests. So thank you, Jerry. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the upcoming event, Dribble for Cure. Who, who participates? Tell us a little bit about it. If the audience was interested, how, sure. how would they get involved? So um, just to back up a little bit, a, a success we had on Monday, we hosted our 18th annual Rod Crew Golf Classic. Nice. And uh, it was up at Pelican Hill. It was wonderful. That's a great group of people, again, that come out to support pediatric cancer. A lot of those same people, those are more our business development people or corporate people that attend that event. Dribble for the Cure was started for the kids, for the families, and we are all about taking care of the entire family because cancer doesn't just affect the child. Dribble for the Cure was started, um, this is going to be our seventh year at wow. UCLA. Okay. Um, we started at another school up in Los Angeles called USC. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of it. No. Uh, <laughs> that's what our uh, John Vallely, our board member, would tell you also. He is a graduate um, of UCLA. He played on the 69-70 championship teams mm. with Kareem and, and Kenny Heights and some of the other names you guys all know about. And he wanted something fun for the kids to do, to um, participate and support cancer. So John is a cancer survivor himself. He actually lost his daughter when she was 13, and he's been a tireless fighter to cure this disease. So you can register as a team on our website. You can go to pcrf-kids.org and look for Dribble for the Cure, and you get to dribble the basketball around the campus at UCLA. (laughs) That's a big campus. It's a large campus. (laughs) It's not flat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, With the men's and women's basketball team. And the coaches come out. The school supports us like you cannot believe. Um, I know UCLA men's and women are going to have a great team this year. Every one of them are there. They sign autographs. They spend the day with the kids. And it's just a fun day for families to be not a patient with cancer, but to be a kid and enjoy what it's like to be a kid. So like a walk, but you dribble the ball around campus. Is this a fundraising opportunity as well? Absolutely. It's a fundraising. And we have teams that um, come together from all over Southern California and uh-huh. come out. It's October 20th this year, Okay. Sunday up at UCLA. Um, all the information is on our website. Last tell me your website again. Uh, PCRF-kids.org. Thank you. And uh, come join us. And if you want to come see what it's all about and meet a lot of the great players at UCLA, it's a great opportunity to know what that program is doing. And the money from that event goes to support Dr. Ted Moore at uh, Mattel Children's Hospital and the programs that he's doing there. Great. Well, that sounds like a fun event. I hope some of our listening audience will take you up on it and visit your website and register a team and go spend some time on the beautiful UCLA campus, yeah. right? That's a great campus. We have about five minutes left here on the program today, Jerry, and I, I wanted to ask you if you could tell us about the future for your organization. As the executive director for your uh, organization, you have a long-term plan. Just give us a piece, a sense for how you see your organization scaling, growing in the future. 
You know, I think like a lot of nonprofits, we want to make sure, again, that we're collaborating. How can we help support um, and grow on our own um, with our charity starting here in Orange County in 1982 and then growing across the country? One of the things we're doing now as a national charity is to make sure that footprint keeps expanding across the country. So we um, are starting to have some national um, corporate partnerships with some rather large companies, which is fantastic because it not only allows us to kind of have a collaborative marketing program with them, but again, to just get the word out about what this um, organization is able to do. For 30 years, we've been sustaining um, not just fundraising and events, but funding some of the best researchers in the world. And I just want that to continue um, there's a couple charities that we are merging with, and you'll be seeing some things happening by the end of the year. And it's just exciting to see the energy come behind this from one physician and some families that started here in Orange County's backyard. Those of us that live in Orange County know what a wealth of people and philanthropy are in this community. Right. Amazingly powerful. So let's take that energy and and tell everyone across the country what we're doing and shed some light on some much-needed research and just continue to partner with the people that this makes the most sense for. So if someone wants to visit your website, I'm going to ask you one more time to let them know what your website is. Sure. It's uh, pcrf-kids.org. And uh, we've got all of our events are listed up there. We've got some great partnerships with um, John Lester and the Boston Red Sox and the MLB. Mm. um, Partnerships, uh, Dribble for the Cure, we don't only do at UCLA. We do at St. John's University in New York. Okay. We have some events back in New York. We've got some events across the country, meeting with the the MLB and and going down on the field with some of the, the players. We've got galas, we've got golf, we've got a little bit of everything if you want to just come check us out at an event, and then we're happy to share information on a corporate or a uh, individual level on, on what it's like to help participate in, in philanthropy for the charity. Well, this has been very enjoyable to learn a little bit more about your organization and you. I want to thank you for being a friend of the program. Welcome to our community. Continue the good work and continued success for you and your organization, Jerry. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. That was Jerry Wilson, who is the Executive Director for the Pediatric Cancer Research Foundation. You've been listening today to our special monthly episode of the Critical Mass Radio Show, which we hear at Critical Mass and octalkradio.net called the Critical Mass Nonprofit Radio Show. I'd like to thank our engineer for today, Paul Roberts. Our producer is Rachel Franzi. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. And our marketing communications manager is Kelly Faltas. Until the next time we have a chance to talk, I'm your host, Rick Franzi, saying I hope that all of your decisions move your organization in a positive direction. You've been listening to Critical Mass, the nonprofit show, right here on Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio dot net